Hey, this is Jen Cole from Parallel Fitness, and you're listening to the SME Podcast. You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories Podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Hey, everybody. Thanks for downloading the show. We're going to be chatting about the personal training sector of the fitness industry. We have a great episode today. My guest is Jenny Kong of Parallel Fitness. We're going to talk about the story of her business, the story of Jenny, and the tips for those wanting to get into the industry. More importantly, what to avoid when getting started and running your business. I've known Jenny since 2009, where we used to work together with her husband at a gym in Richmond Hill, Ontario. She's a certified personal trainer with a certified professional trainers network. She's a muscle activation technique specialist who's been in the industry since 2008, opened up a personal training studio with her husband, Damon, in 2012, was voted Best Fitness Center in Richmond Hill and Best Personal Training by the Toronto Star. She's now pivoted into online coaching where her reach has now expanded. She's a mother, wife, entrepreneur who has a lot of interesting stories that you're going to love. So sit back and absorb. All right, guys, we have Jenny Kong from Parallel Fitness here. So Jenny, how are you? Good. How are you? Oh, living the dream. That's what a lot of people say. All right, we're going to get right to science of questions here. So Parallel Fitness, what is your story? What is my story? Started Parallel Fitness in 2012 with my husband. He's been in the industry before that longer than me. And the story is we saw that there wasn't enough focused or higher level training. And we decided that we were going to open up our own studio that was going to focus specifically on just one-on-one personal training with all the extra level of education acquired by then and yeah we just saw that people needed not just the exercise part but like more to it there's there's more always with the journey of going on a health and fitness journey it's very important and and just so people know as well so you have a lot of different certifications degrees you're very much accredited for a lot of things and I think I know on your profile, you talked about that you're a CPTN personal trainer. You're also an MAT specialist. Are you able to explain to some of those who may not be familiar with MAT, what is that about? Yeah, it's called muscle activation techniques. And we pretty much go try to go to the root of the problems. So if you have anything like aches, pain, stiffness, tightness, this is just really feedback that something else is going on in the body. And MAT gives us the tool to actually check. Um, and assess your body to see where, why it is that it's tight in the first place. And then we address that. And that's pretty much what made us different from, from the beginning is the ability to work with the client's body and not put them in boxes, which is what we had seen in big box gyms when that's where we met and that's where we started. And yeah, we thought there was better and more that we could do. So it allows us to do that. And then we activate the muscles with palpations, with exercise. And then the whole program just gets built from that. And it's just from the client watching the body and the body telling us everything, really. Yeah, and that, that's a great thing. And just so I let the listeners know as well, in my previous episode, I explained my story of how I came to where I am. And one of the stories was Jenny and I used to actually work together, actually at a 
at one of these bigger gyms in Richmond Hill. That's how we met. I met her and her husband, Damien, and eventually we'll get him on the show when he's not opening up his 20th business in a row. But uh, aside from that, what I can attest to uh, specifically, actually, was MAT, because that, that wasn't my training. And I remember Jenny working with me. She actually did put me through a little bit of a session of an MAT, and I was amazed of how quickly she can turn on and turn off a muscle, which was just unbelievable. To, for those who've never tried it, it is wild because I could not rotate one way. She did one tweak and then suddenly I can rotate. But then she said there was another thing that was wrong. So she turned it back off and then I stopped rotating that way. And I was like, it's almost like a remote control. That's the way I look at MAT, that they can turn certain things on and off depending on what's really required. And it's amazing. For those who haven't done it, definitely reach out to her for that. Okay, so for your business, Parallel Fitness, so what makes it really successful? What makes it really successful? I guess it's based on the definition of success. So success as in how it allows me to give my gifts to to people, then the shift that we had to go through the business through COVID has been pretty successful, I I believe. Yeah, and success in terms of how I would, let's say, design my life, then definitely successful as well. Pretty good. Yeah. Oh, it's good to hear. So then just general for people, those who don't know, like how do you actually run your company right now? Now we're living in the COVID area and some areas are opening up, some areas are not. So how is Parallel Fitness? How do you guys run your, your operation? I'm mostly online at this point. We closed down the actual physical location. September 2020, we transitioned from my last studio to people's living rooms. It has actually been, to me, I feel like I've switched from being a personal trainer who just does the exercise and activating muscles and giving you a meal plan and hopefully you will do it and hopefully you will do your own work at home and, and still exercise to the ability to really just coach people now. Because with the online platform, I really believe that we can reach a little bit deeper. And as I've progressed myself as a person and a coach and the business has progressed, I feel like going deeper has been the theme as a progression and as evolution. So it has really allowed me to go deeper and help people in ways that I had been able to when we were just in person, minus the hugs. I miss that. But. Yeah, no, I can totally hear it. It's hard to go from usually a, almost like a in-touch kind of meeting when you're working with a client versus on a screen. It, it's a bit of a difference. And I think for some trainers, that's going to be a big challenge for them because they're so used to being hands-on and now they can't really do it as well. So they have to adjust. And I find that especially to last in this industry, you need to learn how to adjust and adapt. Because I think 2020 and COVID, they really, the industry itself took a huge punch. I think one of the, yeah, one of the industries that really got hit. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that way. So we're going to get, we're going to touch on the industry in a, in a little bit. When it comes to what kind of growth do you see yourself or do you see Parallel Fitness doing? What kind of growth do you expect for your business this year? I'm hoping to reach out to more people not necessarily in the area physical location that I was in. So now I'm able to reach different countries. Uh -huh. So people who have otherwise 
reached out to me because I was born in Mauritius and people from Mauritius who would have reached out to me prior asking for any tips or things like that, that I really couldn't really help. I was also stuck in that mentality that it has to be hands-on. Yeah. What I'm doing is I'm activating muscles. I'm using my hands. And now I was forced to use words and cues and get even better <laughs> continuously. So now I can actually reach out to those people. Yeah, I guess it's just expansion in that way. Uh, so you want to be up the ladder thing. So you want to definitely grow your reach and stuff like that. And that's really good to hear and stuff. And, and really the message is just to let people know that they don't have to be in pain. The pain could be just a feedback and something to dig in and learn more about and that they can. So now that message can be spread further. Yeah, because I know back in the day too, when I used to train clients as well, sometimes what we hear is, yeah, no pain, no gain. I'm like, yeah, that's not really a good thing. No. You shouldn't have to be in pain for, for to do anything. Pain means more pain. That's one of the biggest things that really drives me nuts in this <laughs> industry. Oh, we're going to get to those pet peeves, Jenna. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> we're going to get there because we're going to talk about the actual, just the overall industry and all that sort of stuff. But uh, so I guess another thing, cause, because I guess part of the channel is, part of my podcast is to try to educate and motivate people to want to start their own venture, whether it's a side gig or full-time venture or maybe a passion project. So it's not like, I want people to listen is not thinking, okay, it's only for people who want to get into personal training. No, not necessarily. Because everyone's story is different. Everyone's story is unique. And it's also to put a face behind the, the names of these companies. So back to actually running the parallel fitness part. Now, you can talk about it right now, or you can talk about it back when you did have a studio. But what was like the biggest expense that you guys had to invest in when you guys were running your... Overhead. Overhead. Lease and everything else that we needed. So... Internet. You name it. <laughs> So th uh, some things that are not related to, oh, just buying fitness equipment and little things like that. We're talking like basically everything, almost like running like a separate household almost. That's what basically it's like. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much it. Wow. So are there any certain expenses that when people think of a personal training operation that, mm -hmm. you know, that most people don't even think that training, like trainers would actually have to spend money on? I think for me it would be coaching. We're coaches. So right. as coaches, we definitely do believe in the role or in the importance of having a coach. And yeah, I tend to spend a lot of money developing and learning more on either how to become a better coach. So whether it's more technical things, whether it's more mindset things, and nutrition is another big one. So there's always, yeah, more continuing education, coaching, that I've, yeah, that's, I've, I think that's one of the other bigger things that I spend money on other yeah. than, I don't know, regular things to just get operation going. But yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Like, like all these different things you're talking about. I remember, I recall where a client was, especially when you're trying to learn about nutrition and trainers, your view, your training on nutrition is not very, it's not very emphasized, no. right? They always push you towards nutritionists or dietitians, but but sometimes when you learn a little bit of basics, right? Because I remember learning something and I remember talking to a client and she was trying to explain to me why that a hamburger is a complete meal and was trying to justify it to me. We got the grains, Ken. We got the breads. We got the vegetables. We got the lettuce, tomato, and we got the protein. So 
it's a good thing. I'm like, mm, once in a while, maybe, but I, I, I wouldn't make that a staple in your diet. Funny enough how that is. All right. I'm going to get a switch gears here. Now we're going to talk about the actual industry. All right, Jenny, I'm just going to, I'm rotating my head right now just to get myself ready. All right, Jenny, you tell me, what is your opinion on what is currently going on in the fitness industry? What is going on? And your opinion of how, of what the direction you see it going towards. On the industry. Okay, I might go a little bit too much into how it's standing. Maybe, no. Okay, on the industry. Mm-hmm. Well, this. I'm trying to make sure that I'm staying on track here. <laughs> I'll try to keep you honest, or I'll cut it out in, in post, whatever works. <laughs> with industry itself, not yes. what's going on in the industry at this moment, you mean, right? Well, yeah, just your opinion. Like, what? I'm opening it up to you. You tell me what you're more comfortable talking about. I Okay, there's one part that, okay, the industry, yeah, the industry's voice is being silenced, let's say, because we're not talking about how to get healthier and how to boost your immune system, which is very deep rooted in the fitness industry yeah. and the health industry. So that's one part where we're not seeing enough and that's unfortunate. The other part with where the industry is going would be in terms of innovation online and definitely everything is just moving to apps, to membership where you... Like Apple, Apple, what you call Apple Fitness. They have so many. So it's being very generalized, I would say. So you got to do a lot of homework. If you have a specific issue that you have to deal with, you got to dig deeper and find the smaller people who usually would put way more time into your specific situation and do a little bit more hand-holding rather than the general, no pain, no gain, let's... Let's just burn calories and sweat. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of fitness memes. Sweat is just fat crying. Okay. that That's nice. I I remember the time when we were working before where I think during that time, I think we started working when? Maybe 2009. When did you start working at Wynn? Probably what? 2010-ish? 2009, 2010-ish? I would say. No, maybe, uh, maybe a little. Okay. Yeah. I just remember when we used to work uh, together. One of the biggest shows was The Biggest Loser. And uh, I had clients that came to me. They said they watched the Jillian Michaels, who's, I'm sure she's a great trainer, but it, and I don't know if she just laid it on thick for the TV, but they're saying, oh, how come we're not doing stuff like that? I have two knee replacements and my hips going. Why not run up the stairs with a 40 pound pack on my back? Yeah. The, the fitness industry has really painted a picture of what fitness and weight loss looks like but it's far from the actual reality of it and once you're in it even as a participant or as somebody who's working in that industry you realize soon enough that there's more to the story it's never black and white like they show it is it's definitely not a 21 day fix it's a journey and the beauty of it for me is how you grow as a person in parallel to trying to change your body and make it healthier, mm. you become a better version of yourself because you learn so much. And yeah, yeah, I've had that so many times too, where even in the gym, people would be like, why am I not doing that? <laughs> yeah. 
not ready and you probably can't tolerate. And it doesn't necessarily mean that more is better. And I've seen that more and more in deeper ways than I I knew that 10 years ago. But now it's, oh my God, less is more. Yeah, which some people don't want to hear because especially if it's someone with a very an aggressive goal, right? Let's say they want to, they are getting married or they're some type of reunion of some kind or some type of work formal gala where they got to slim down and look good in what's a dress or a tux or anything. So they feel like I only got 60 days for this. So I have to really, I have to not be able to walk in order to make sure I can get into my outfit, which is a really wrong approach I find because yeah, if, if, is your body just going to get beat up over that stuff? And the problem I find with the industry as well, as much as I, I do enjoy it and I enjoyed my time in the fitness industry as well, it was a lot of fun. And that's also at the same time, and I'm going to sidebar this for a second, is that's what made me know that my wife loves me. Because when you start off in, as a trainer, a lot of it and could be different on every gym. Sometimes you're paid a salary. For those who are really good, they got a salary. For a lot of us, you get paid for when the client shows up. So sometimes clients don't show up. What do you do? Do you charge them? Do you not charge them? What do you do? So I wasn't making a lot of money at that time. Yeah. And so that's, that's why I knew she loved me because I had no money. So it's interesting. But what I find also, I guess, sad sometimes about the industry is that we can't even celebrate successes anymore. Like I, I recall, remember reading a story a while ago where Adele started losing weight because she wanted to better herself. And when she was losing the weight, people were still critiquing her, calling her, oh, she's ashamed of being fat and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, we can't even be happy for people if they want to, if they choose to. So I don't, I, that part I don't get. I just don't. This. Yeah. So now we're talking here, like the whole industry in general, like I was trying to do some research here and it's a really big industry in Canada. We're talking like as of May 20, 2021, it's like a $4 billion industry. And majority of that comes from memberships and personal training maybe hits maybe 9% of that, which is still a, a big chunk of change. So when people think of, so Back to the misconceptions here. So, Jenny, what are, when people come to you, what are the common misconceptions they have about what you do or that reflects on the entire industry? Because when they say, oh, I, I used to be a trainer, I, I'm a personal trainer of some kind, and there's all these bubbles, there's all these thoughts that people have in their heads of what a trainer is. And what are the most common misconceptions that you know? As a trainer, definitely that... There's only one type of trainer, the one who yells at you and it's just counting reps and it's just pushing you to do more. A lot of people, I guess, are looking for that. Definitely one of the biggest misconceptions, I, I feel. And that's probably portrayed even further by shows like The Biggest Loser. Yeah, I totally hear it. And, and like I said, I'm sorry, we're going to jump into again about the, our time working together. But the gym we used to work at, I had a great time during my tenure there. Like I was there for several years and stuff like that. And at least within the gym, we had so many different varieties of trainers and personalities. That was unbelievable. So I think that I don't regret my time being there. It was, it was an interesting time. But I feel nowadays that they're now pushing to that, like you were talking about, Jenny, that one type of trainer that people expect to see when it's not necessarily the case, right? No. It's not. And then this other one is also the appearance. If the trainer is lean and ripped, they must know what they're doing. I think also too, you've seen people who only know how to train themselves and that's how they would train 
their clients. And that's not necessarily the the best way to go about based on the history of that person. Yeah, that's just another unfortunate thing because we are very visual, I guess. We are. I, I remember a woman you know, pointed a finger at me because I'm, for those who don't know, I'm not like super ripped by any means. So I remember a time we were at the gym, we were just in the health center. Jenny, if you remember where the health center was, that's where we would meet our clients. And I guess this woman was complaining because I guess she wasn't happy with one of the trainers because she wanted to have someone who looked like that very big athletic physique, like Monty, if you remember Monty back then. And Monty is actually a former Olympian, so hopefully I'll get him on the show eventually as well, where he is one of the most interesting trainers I've ever met, where his routines were, un were I, I would call it legendary because I don't even know what to call any of that stuff because it was so sports specific that I wouldn't even know how to write that on a card to say, okay, try this exercise because it, it was just totally there. But she was pointing to him and she said, then she said, who are we going to put? Why did you point me something like, and then she pointed at me, even though I wasn't her trainer. And of course, I'm looking and I smile. I'm like, hi. But I think that really furthers the misconception of you have to be like an Arnold or a Sylvester Stallone or one of, maybe I'm dating myself for some of those guys, some of the, the ripped guys that and, and ripped gals that are the ones that you should be after. That should not be the case for what it should be. Knowledge first. Yes, exactly. But then there's a side line, right? If you're a trainer and you're teaching that, you should also be walking the talk. Absolutely. But know that there's other, as a client looking for one, you have to know that there's too many factors that could be affecting the appearance of that person. And yeah. that potentially has nothing to do with how good they are at teaching you the proper techniques and teaching you the right things that you have to do and actually get you there without injuries. Yeah. And able to yeah have you have sustainable results rather than just yeah appearance yeah no i totally hear it all right now last question on the industry here so parallel fitness what has been your biggest failure but also part two is what has been your biggest success so far okay failure is i really uh, is trying to do too many different things that other coaches have told me to do regardless of how I felt about it so huh. it wasn't very aligned with how I do things but because that specific strategy let's say had worked for other fitness clubs or gyms or studios and trying to do that as well never went well never Stick to, stick to what you know yeah stick to what you're good at kind of thing you know and trust your gut trust your heart and it has to come from somewhere that you feel aligned with i yeah it can't come from someone else trying to tell you this is how you do it this is the program here and this is how you're going to market it it just to me it doesn't work because i have to be i have to feel it first so all the failures are definitely from trying those things but in trying those things you learn things <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and biggest success, I know this is what I'm going through right now. Like, um, You hear that, folks? She's going through a success period right now, so I can't wait to hear this. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Oh, no. Okay, sorry. Maybe. I'm going to, okay. It's 
I believe my body and my business is very intertwined. So whatever my business is going through or I'm going through are definitely in parallel in terms of growth, in terms of evolution. So I would still think that's the success rather than the focus on the number, which is again, in parallel to, let's say weight loss. I teach people not to really focus on the number on the scale. Yes, you're using that as a feedback if things are going in the right way or in the wrong way, but that's not the end goal. The end goal is the journey really who you are becoming and how you're growing through that and what you're learning and actually are you applying this in all areas of life and yeah I really believe that that's where the success is and the reason why I said that I that's what I'm going through is I'm really trying to get away from that constant hustle to focus on that financial number and focus on impact impact not just on the people but on yeah on myself and my family and yeah everybody who's made up the community so far yeah and oh we're, we're going to get to the personal side in, in a second but what i said yeah so what i'm doing now for the next part of this part we're going to talk about i just came up with just some basic questions that if i was something if i wanted to get into the industry or become a trainer or whatever that some people might ask to say okay what should I do? All right. So these are specific questions to that. So this, these could be questions that are for people trying to become a trainer in a studio or start their own thing or just in general, or they're currently running an operation. All right, Jenny. So question number one for this one, these are all over the maps. So they're not following any specific order here. All right. <laughs> should I diversify my service offerings to attract a wider clientele? At the beginning, yes. And then once you know who you help better, who you interact with better and you naturally love working with, that's who you're going to work with and niche down. Oh, niche down. I like that term, niche down. Yeah. All right. Quite. And the next question, should I get a degree in kinesiology to become a good personal trainer? You don't have to. My honest opinion, you don't have to. I have one, but it's very theoretical <laughs> and... It took me about a year to actually be apply, able to apply any of the things that I had learned in real life. And it took more education after that, which was more practical to really know how to actually train someone and help them exercise in the right. Excellent. All right. What kind of equipment should I first invest in for my business? As a personal training mm -hmm. business? I'll tell you what I had. Mm -hmm. I had dumbbells and two free motion machines. So the free motion machines are cables that go in any direction that you want it to go. So pretty much we could do everything on one machine. So that's what we got. And we got two of them because it was me and my husband. So in case we had two people in the studio at the same time. And then I had... A bike, a spinning bike, and a treadmill. Okay. And that was what we started with. Minimal. Yeah, I remember going to your studio when I think you guys opened, and it was yeah, it, it wasn't you weren't expecting like the big commercial gym feel. And and I remember, and sorry to jump back to our old personal training days. I remember when I first started working at that gym that we used to work at. I got pulled into the manager's office, and I'm thinking, oh, this could never be good. 
And I remember him coming up to me and said, Ken, you're doing really good. Clients are happy. But we notice you don't use any of the equipment that we have in the gym. So a lot of the, a lot of the equipment at the gym was very machine-based. And there were some cables, but there was a lot of the basic machines. And I was doing more creative stuff. Because prior to me working there, I was running my own private practice where I would go to clients' homes or they'd come to, to my condo, my wife and I's condo, where if the machines weren't great, you had to be creative. So his feedback to me is, we got a multi-million dollar gym here. Try and use some of this stuff. So that's why I always find it kind of interesting to be like, oh, okay, sure. Because I just wasn't used to it. I never used to have that access to all that equipment. And I guess, yeah, it's between, yeah, being creative with what you have. And also, I guess it depends on who you're training to. Exactly. Or machines or they're okay with doing everything body weight and with minimal equipment. Yeah, I think maybe that's what some people might be overwhelmed with thinking that they need to have. Because you've probably seen a lot of personal training studios and a lot of different gyms. And I think maybe one concern that some people might have is, okay, I have to buy all this equipment just to at least look, and I'm using the air quotations, to look like a legitimate operation. Because if you came into an empty space and there's only like a set of dumbbells there, maybe a ball, and they could be charging you a hundred bucks a month, they'd be like, what am I getting out of this? Because it's the visual things to make it look like you have more, which if that's your model, great. But if that's not what you're focused on, save that money, right? For something else. Absolutely. So start lean always start lean. I like it. All right. So next question. All right. So if I'm going to start a personal training business, now my question here is what name should I, what, what should my business name be? Which obviously is very open, but is there anything that you should not name your business? You should not name your business. I guess something complicated that people will have a hard time to remember. Something simple always that actually says what it is. Yep. So parallel fitness has the word fitness, so you can know what's yep. in there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, 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 that's good. And I, back to this, back to my story, ladies and gentlemen. You know what my original name was for my company when I first started. First off, when I, I'm going to do an episode on how to actually start a business in Canada and all the different things you have to sign up for. I remember signing up on Canada to, on the Canadian website to try to set up my business license. And I was like, okay, I'll just name it myself. Because I'm thinking, oh, I can't think of a name. I'll just change it. So I spend the money to just have my master business license number. And it was just my name. So when I go to the website, I'm trying to update my name. I can't update the name. I call them. I said, oh, can I try to update the name? I'm just trying to change it here. It's, no, you can't change the name. Once you create it, that's it. You might be able to change the doing business as, but the actual business license will still say my name. So then I paid again for a different one. And unfortunately, I did not talk to Jenny before I came up with this name, but it was basically my name, fitness and performance training. That's a mouthful trying to say your first name, last name, fitness and performance training. That was my name. How hard it was to come up with a logo to try to fit everything in there. It was brutal. So versus something like as cliche as fit with Ken. Fit with Ken. Yes. Something fit with Ken. That would have been perfect. But unfortunately it did not happen that way. And it just came up with such a really long name. So unfortunate, but anyways, all right. <laughs> Next question here. All right, Jenny, I'm getting into the business. Should I get business insurance? 
Yes. How much? No, I'm kidding. You have to tell me the exact number of how much you pay. But is uh, and I know we're not insurance agents, so obviously we're not advising you to get you know, the most expensive policy there. But go ahead with your answer, Jenny. You said yes. Mine is a little bit different because I had specific requirements for muscle activation. So I don't know. I just went with whatever she had suggested based on how many based on how many clients you have, what kind of things you do. And, and then on top of that, I had to be insured for muscle activation. Yeah. So I guess in general. It would be different. Yeah. So I think in general, like when you work at a gym, if that's what the, if that's what the course of action of how you want to make extra money is to, let's say, work at a studio or work at, your, uh, work at a gym, you don't have to really pay for any insurance because usually the gym will have that covered, should be. If you're going into private practice where you're going to do your own thing, it's generally recommended you have something there. Like contractor. Especially if you're a contractor. So definitely speak to a licensed insurance agent that has knowledge of small business, but also fit health and fitness or anything that can, because they might have special clauses or special things that you need to have coverage for. That if you just go for a general business insurance, that probably doesn't apply. But you need to make sure that that part is definitely covered because the last thing you want to do is get sued by a client and uh, and make sure that the number is good. And from what I've heard from people telling me is that a minimum $2 million coverage is, is the minimum that you should think about. Because with a million dollar coverage, if you knock on wood that no one ever gets sued, but that million dollars in the court system can get chewed up really fast. Mm -hmm. So I've always been told minimum $2 million. Like I said, not telling you you have to get $2 million. Please talk to a licensed insurance agent to find out what's the best one for you. All right. So we talked about that. All right. This is another one that I think that a lot of people would like to know as well, especially if you're new or even if you're a current owner or a professional. What is the best strategy for non-paying clients? So when we mean by non-paying clients, guys, is ones that you've agreed on something and either they're not paying, they come up with excuses, they might forget to pay. What is, uh, and for some people, I, I, and no offense to the, a lot of fitness professionals out there, but I find that a lot of trainers, they actually come in with good intentions. They actually want to help. They're not about too much of the numbers in terms of the financing and all that sort of stuff and the sales and all that. They just want to help people. That, oh, that was my story. So when you have to deal with people who don't pay, refuse to pay, they get in that weird, uncomfortable situation. So Jenny, in your experience, what is your best strategy to make sure that, how do you deal with non-paying clients? Non-paying. Okay. Oh, I thought at the beginning, I thought you were saying people who don't pay and I guess you're training them for free for some sort of exchange. Oh, oh. Not from what I mean. Ones that we've signed up, they've signed to, to do business with you. And whether you're charging them on a per session rate or a monthly rate or even a weekly rate. And for some reason, they, there seems to be a reason why the money doesn't come through. To take money in advance. You're only going to train them if they paid prior to. So if it's maybe four sessions at a time or three months packages. So maybe you could do packages if you want or recurrent payment. So you will take their information and they'll know that they'll come out plus whoever doesn't pay is the reason why they're they're not going to get results because they're not committed it has to have something holding them so you might not want to train them anymore if they're not committed yeah it's totally true 
I always had one of the best strategies that I had back then. This is when I was working at the gym, not a private practice was what do you do when clients don't show up? And like I mentioned before, is that for when you work in a commercial gym, generally, like I said, not, maybe not in all gyms, if you're not getting a salary and you get paid when you do a session, a lot of the trainers we had, some of them were, they didn't know how to deal with it. But I think one of the best tips that I was member leaning or I heard from before is that, Ken, you know what I do? And I said, I tell this right up front with a client. I will charge you for every single session that we do. If you show it, I'm charging you. But what we do is after your package is done and let's say we charge you, let's say three times because you missed out on three different sessions, we'll make up those three after the fact. So at least you're still getting that part because some of the reasons you'll hear a lot of different reasons from clients of why they don't show up or anything like that, especially in that type of uh, compensation model. Do you charge them or not? So that was always something that I remember hearing. And I, that's what I did for my last while or so while I was there. From Unfortunately, for the, when I was doing private practice, I didn't really have that issue with it. Because like you said, we took the money up front and we made sure to schedule out everything. And you, you treat your business like it's a business. You have to really t- look after it. So if you have to really chase after some people, so be it, right? But yeah, that, that's, a good, that's a good strategy that you have. Take it in advance. Perfect. In advance and definitely have a no-show policy that they understand. Yeah. Excellent. I didn't do, I didn't do what you did. No, well, that, that, that was. Emergency, but then of course. Right. Um, we're not going to do that, but I don't know if I was lucky that I got people who were always very, especially if they're business owners on their own, because they understand that completely. I've always been, I was I mostly had people who are very, uh, respectful of your time so they would not get offended if you're charging them a no-show because that could have been a time that you are training someone else and they block that slot and mm-hmm. most of them know that you're getting paid for the hour and time you're putting in only yeah absolutely absolutely yeah that, that was a great one so all right jenny we're getting to the part of the show now where now we're talking about jenny the person. Okay. So Jenny, what is your story? That's okay. What's the broad question? What's my story? I'm trying to see where should I start with this? As far back as you're comfortable. That brought me into the industry. Keeping it open, Jenny. I've always been into body stuff. I started dancing when I was five. So I thought I wanted to become a physiotherapist. So came to kinesiology here to do that and then fell into muscle electration technique, especially, and at the same time, a lot of things happen at the same time specifically. So at that same time that I discovered what muscle activation was, a student at the hospital I was volunteering at to know more about physio or to see what branch of physio I wanted to get into was telling me about his experience and how he loved it, but he was his little thing against the industry himself was the fact that he only had X amount of time with the client based on the protocol. And then they were sent to to the gym, essentially, and he wasn't necessarily ready or they were not necessarily done with their rehab process. And they usually would get more hurt at the gym. And then it's back to that same cycle, back to the physio because something else hurt or broke and then are injured again. And that's where MET fit in really well because we're 
we're looking for where the muscles are not firing. It's like the muscles in the body are working together. It's like an orchestra. So when one muscle is off, everything, the whole song is off. And so we're really looking for that. And only when we have that can we start strengthening at the gym. So then I ended up just doing that. Yeah. And it's been a great journey. It's been, yeah, it's been really good. All right. No, that, that, that's, that's great. It's good to hear because uh, funny how things are always are. So like my next question is, what was your like family's view going into potentially, like you said, a small business, right? Like how is their view on the smaller business around the, because I know some families, they might be really open to it. There are others that know you need to find a, a, a safe and stable job at whatever hospital, bank, whatever you want to call it, public sector. Like, how was your, what was your family's view on that? My mom will always push me to work for myself. She was a housewife, so she was always dependent on someone else. So from the young age, I was always pushed to, to work for myself. And then with my husband, he was already managing at that point when we met. So he had all that experience. So I guess the natural way to go was from big gym, you get your experience there, you learn about yourself, you learn the skill better, and then you start to work for yourself. I, I didn't have any resistance, let's say. Oh, and we already probably know what Damien's view is on your business. So, hell, you guys are both co-partners in it. He's working on a bunch of other things at this point, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. All right, so. Yeah. Excellent. Sorry, right, we got a few more questions and we got some fun stuff and then we'll wrap it up here. All right, Janie, what is the funniest small business story that you've had? Funniest small business story. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good question. Did I stump you? Okay. Any cues, prompts, further prompts? Leaving it open, Jenny. Okay. What's a funny story that had happened over here? I don't know. You got dead silence, Jenny. You got to come up with something. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to force you to come up. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Funny person, I guess. You're not a funny person. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. And it's okay. If you can't think of it, you can email me and then I'll tell people afterwards. So that's fine as well. But no, that funny story, well, not a funny story really, but that story, that that uh, special story for that celebrity that you did work on. Indirectly, for some reason, you can tell that story. So one of my clients knew... Phil Cullen from the Deaf Leopard, and I was the anniversary gift when they came to do a show in 2016. Mm -hmm. So in June, we went backstage, and the only space they had for me was in the laundry room. So I had my <laughs> massage table there, and yeah, I treated Phil Cullen. Phil Cullen. They obviously invited us to stay for the show and for the concert, and then after that, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Oh my God, I just treated him. <laughs> so she treated a celebrity, folks. Look at that. Unbelievable. So did you enjoy the show? Yeah, for sure. When you're there, the energy is totally different. Oh, yeah. You awesome. Feel the, you feel the, the music, you feel the vibrations, and then, yeah, the crowd just makes it even better. Absolutely. Pour some sugar on me. That's my favorite Def, Def Leppard song. Me too. Excellent. All right, last of the personal questions here. So how do you, so Jenny, you're a mother, a wife, business owner. 
how do you balance everything? Because I think for a lot of people, including myself, there is always that fine balancing act of you're working. In my case, I'm still working a full-time job, still working on my business that I have, and plus trying to be a husband and a father as well. So how do you do it, Jenny? I'm still learning, but I try to take time for myself. I have to. <laughs> so if I don't wake up earlier than the kids and I don't have that alone time to reset myself and set an intention for the day or check what I have to do for that day, it's just not as good of a day. So it's just, I have to plug myself on a recharge first, just like our phones. And then everything just flows more naturally. So that's it. And I don't know. I'm still trying to see. I've asked so many of my teachers that about the balancing. And I don't know if there is such a thing as balance, really, from what I've collected so far. <laughs> it's really, if you want to get something extraordinary and make it big, it's got to take work and not necessarily be balanced at that point. So I guess it depends on the season, on the where you are in the business too, and where you are with the kids. But I guess it's all constantly changing mm -hmm. and you have to conti continuously just readjust with the flow. Learn to go with the flow. That's also a good thing. And yeah, I always hear that the analogy when someone says they try to start a business thing, you're working 40 hours for a job that you're working a 40 hour job. So start a business where you're potentially working 80 hours just because there's a lot when you're first setting up. There's just so many things to think about. It was just business. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the no, there's no really balance because you're getting everything started from the ground up. So you're going to have to put in the hours. I, I don't know. know. I don't think there's any way around that. It, it It's hard. And maybe there's an industry that you could get away doing it. Great. I know for some of the businesses that I ran too, like I used to do an auto detailing place where clients would bring their cars to my house and I myself and maybe I'd hire a couple of people to clean it to the point that I remember my kids coming up and they just couldn't understand that daddy's here, but he can't play with us because he's cleaning a car. So it was one of those things that it, it, you, you, that's why I wanted to step away from that business because it's a very manual labor kind of job. So it's really hard, but it's not impossible. Getting something where you get a little bit of everything is key. As long as you have some time. And I'm sorry, I forgot to ask this part. What time do you normally wake up, Jenny, in the morning? Uh, between 5.30 and 6. 5.30 and 6. 4.30 a.m. for me. For 4.30 Monday to Friday, Saturday, Sundays, I sleep in 6 a.m. 6 a.m. is a sleep in for me because I feel like I'm with you. I feel like I have to wake up before my kids. Just to get that, like you said, the mind reset, try to just focus on what I need to do, or even just to like slowly adjust to the day, whatever it is. But all right, those are the personal questions. Now, all right, now we're going to try to wrap this up here. We want to try to see rapid fire questions here. Off the cuff, you just tell me whatever you want to tell me on this. All right, question number one, Jenny. Do you have anything autographed by a celebrity? Mm-hmm. Phil Collins. Phil Collins from Def Leppard. Excellent. It said it. It worked. <laughs> we should put that as your cover photo for the actual thing, but that, that's fine. All right. Next question. Have you ever stolen anything? If so, what was it? No. You're a good girl. Oh, wow. 
you and my wife are very similar in that way. Very interesting. She's never done that. I'm a, but she calls me the goody two shoes because I don't do that. I've never stolen anything either. You know, that's okay. All right. That's what we get. That's what we get a lot. <laughs> what is one thing you'd be really disappointed in if you never got to experience it? Oh, everything new. I like experiences. I think that's what drives me. So anything that I've discovered, but I wouldn't be able to experience is definitely, a, will be a disappointment. Yeah. I assume for a lot of people, some people say, oh, if I never get to go to a specific country, they'd be disappointed. Or if I never got to skydive, I think a lot of us might be disappointed if the goal is I've never, I, I want to go to space. That's going to be a very hard one. Or if I want to play for the Toronto Raptors and being Filipino, we're not very tall. So I don't think uh, we would make the team. So something like that. For me, it's about more like experiences. The latest thing that I've discovered is breathwork and just the experience of having that breathwork session. So things like that. Yeah. All right. What is the oddest job you ever did? <laughs> I've always been, okay, I've only had two jobs. Really? I started really late. I started when I was in university, besides helping in the shop that my grandfather owned back home. And what shop was that? What did they, what did, uh, what did he sell? He was a wholesaler. So okay. he sold everything and everything. Yeah. Besides just helping there. Only when I came to university here at U of T, I was working with the hockey. I forgot what the name of whatever it was to do. No, it was just in the varsity. Oh, the varsity, the, oh, the U of T Blues. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was just whatever in the background. Okay. <laughs> One of those. And then from there, I worked in the, the strength conditioning room. Oh, okay. Uh, in, the, in the athletics center at U of T. And then I'm still in here, yeah. still in the fitness industry. So wholesaling and fitness. That's it. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to make this about my wife again. I'm, you're gonna, just letting the listeners know, I'm going to talk about my wife a lot in both positive and I guess always positive. I will eventually, but she's only had, and she, I think she's very similar to you, where her parents run a company in Hong Kong. So she did work there part-time when she was younger. But her first job she ever took is the job she currently is in now. And that was in physiotherapy. <laughs> and it was during the time when she graduated is the time when they were really looking for, there was a shortage of physios at the time. So they were all offering full-time hours, benefits, pension, good salaries. And she just happened to fit the mold. And she has not left that department, not just the company. She hasn't left the company. She has not left the department that she's in. And she is totally okay with that. And that's great too. Hey, good luck. Uh, good for both of you guys on that one. All right, last rapid fire fun question here. What would, if you could have a theme song, what would it be and why? A theme song. So if you're walking down the sidewalk and there's music suddenly playing, people are going to look at you and they say, that's Jenny. Here comes Jenny. Interesting. So not pour some sugar on me by Def Leppard. So that's that. Because we were just talking about that. The only song that I can think of is You Are My Sunshine. Because I'm 
all about the kids. Ah, uh, very nice. So we don't have to know. And it's all about the kids. That's uh, that's why. And I wanted to mention too, when you were saying about the kids with the car, I guess the mother perspective is I they get involved in everything. So now that I also work online, so I'm working at home, they're very involved. They'll come say hi. Um, yeah, they'll do the exercises with me. And so it's just one whole, yeah, it's just togetherness. No, that's really good. And that's why for those, I've, I do follow Jenny on her, on her videos that she posts online and stuff. So I do see a lot of the stuff there. That's why I th- when I said her kids are, they look so much older now because it's like been that evolution of when I first remember seeing you put the videos on and they were really tiny and now they're getting bigger. It's wow. You can see them. It's like night and day. So that that's really cool. So you are my sunshine. Okay. That's a good one. All right. So last. All about the kids. All about the kids. <laughs> last three questions and then we'll wrap it up here. So for any advice for someone saying, I really want to get into the personal training space or, you know, the industry, fitness industry, what advice would you give them? Mm, for getting in. Find the right teacher. Yeah. I think it makes a whole difference. Just like you are going to be a coach for someone else. You have to learn more about yourself. That's been my journey, at least in my experience. It always been learning it myself and going through it myself. I have to do that before I can teach it. So to me, teachers and coaches and developing ourselves has always been the main driver and the main thing that made a difference so an impact and on the same level like I was saying after my kinesiology degree it was finding the right teachers again that made me the trainer that I am today it was with the resistance training specialist with Tom Purvis Mm. who really gave us a whole perspective of what exercise is so finding your Tom Purvis, <laughs> finding your Greg Rostoff is the founder of Muscle Activation Technique. And I'm not saying that's the only two that are the only solution, but you got to find your own teacher that actually helped you maybe transform. And I think from there, it will be like a bulletproof story and bulletproof experience to, to get you started. Okay. Oh, that, that's great. I was going to say, yes, if Find your own coach. If you want, if, sorry, follow your heart. Yes. But you still have to follow your own. Especially if they are advising you to do things that maybe that doesn't fall within your wheelhouse or comfort level. Exactly. So that, that's. Say no. It's yeah. Because it's true. If I would rather focus on two strategies to get me the results versus 20. Right. Yeah. 20 yes. different things. It's like, this is a whole 80, 20 rule. So that's always something we should really consider. All right. So final plug, Jenny, do you want to plug your website, social media? Social media, Gen Comfit on Instagram. That's where you'll find me and you'll find the activation exercises and nutrition tips to decrease inflammation. Yeah. And my kids. Follow your kids. Is that what you just said? No, you will see my kids. No, oh, you'll see her kids. Yes, that is definitely true. All right, guys, that wraps up this episode. So thank you for listening. 
you for listening to the SME Stories podcast, which is owned by Northway Capital Group. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Northway Capital Group.